Father God, in Jesus' name, we love you and we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you love us, that you've demonstrated your love for us so magnificently in your Son, Jesus Christ, that you've given us a picture of who you are by giving us your word, by giving us the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ as an example of your love, your compassion, your mercy, your authority. God, my prayer today is that the people in this room, the people all over in any church in America today, have an encounter with you by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, if there's any person here in need that is lacking, that is dealing with a sickness, that is dealing with any issue in their life, God, know that that they know that they know that their faith is built by the proclamation of your word, that you hold us in your righteous right hand, that you are our strong tower, and we have a right to run to you because we are your people according to your word. You are our God, and we stand in confidence and boldness declaring this singular truth, that you do it all for the sake of your glory. So God, as we deliver your word, we ask that you you give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You give each of us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Give me clarity to speak only that which you determined to speak. I praise you for who you are. We worship you in this place, and we submit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just so you guys know, again, I'll say welcome. Uh, We are preaching today, or teaching today, out of Luke chapter 4. And so if you want to go ahead and turn there, I'll get there in just a moment. But we started a sermon series last week titled, Jesus God Revealed. Uh, The scripture tells us in John 14, 9, that if you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so many of us wonder, what does God look like? The fact of the matter is, God looks like Jesus because Jesus is God. Amen? And so we have a declaration of who he is and what he's willing to do and what he has done through the word of God. And so the intent of this sermon series is to reveal the God that we serve through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And we started that last week with uh, Jesus, the power of God. And we talked about how the the name of Jesus holds power and the, the word of Jesus holds power. And of course, all of those things true because Jesus is God. And so today I want to move from power to a proclamation that Jesus is the authority of God. Jesus demonstrates the authority of God. Listen to me. I want you to understand something. I've got one purpose in this message today. To explain to you that God is in charge, that He loves you, and whatever you're going through, whatever you're going through, whatever you're going through, has a Romans 8.28 promise attached to it. Which means it doesn't matter what you're going through, that God, for all of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose, will work out that thing for your good. For one reason. I'd like to say for you, but it's not for you. It's so that He might ultimately be glorified in whatever it is He's intending to do with your life. And so we're going to build faith today by the proclamation of the word. We're going to declare the authority of Jesus. But I want you to understand and I want you to hold true to this idea the whole time. That God does everything he does for the sake of his glory. And so, with that in mind, I don't want you to move or think that God intends to do anything if you're not willing to give him glory for what he did. 
which means if you get a healing today, you got that healing for the glory of God. If your marriage is restored, you got that restoration by the power for the sake of the glory of God. Everybody understand? So why does God do what He does? Because He loves us and primarily for the sake of His glory. Everybody all right? So today we're going to talk about the authority of God. Or we're going to try to. <laughs> if those of you that are visiting just know that I'm Polish and I just do the best I can. Alright? So we're going to talk about, actually I'm Polish and Cajun. I've told this joke before but it gets a laugh every time I say it so I'll say it again. I'm Polish, half Polish, half Cajun which means I'm always mad, never smart enough to know why. And so... But today, authority. I want to talk to you about authority. And I'm going to start by asking this question. How do you decide who you're going to listen to? This is just a reasonable question, right? And I ask that question with this in mind. 60% of all people, before they go to the doctor, seek medical advice from the internet. We live in a world where everybody thinks they're an authority, but nobody is an authority. Right? There's one authority, and that authority is God revealed to us in His authoritative Word. Everybody understand? And so if I'm going to ask somebody something, I'm going to seek the, the authority in the matter. I'm not going to go to a banker and talk to him about marriage advice. I'm not going to go to somebody that's obesely overweight and talk to them about how to work out at the gym. Does everybody understand? I'm not going to go to a physicist to talk about religion. You know who I'm going to talk to? I'm going to talk to the authority in whatever area I'm hoping to find wisdom in. And we don't do that as a society. We, we allow people to speak into our life that have no business speaking into our life. Taylor Swift, if many of you, if any of you know who that is, this week, or at least I saw the article this week, this week said this. She said, her brand of Christianity is the real Christianity. That's an authoritative statement. That's declaring an absolute truth, according to her understanding. Her brand of Christianity is, according to what she said, the real Christianity. There's two problems with this statement. One is there's only one brand of Christianity, and that brand of Christianity is declared in the Word of God. Secondly, she's declaring that her brand of Christianity speaks unscripturally about sin. And she was saying it referencing sexual lifestyles and deviancies that the Word of God speaks against. And I hope it doesn't hurt your feelings, but let me just tell you the truth. If you're mad, it's because you're probably convicted. But there are certain things that God tells you will send you to hell if you do. And it doesn't matter whether I like that. It doesn't matter whether you like that. The authoritative Word of God says that to be true. And so if I'm going to find out how to live my life, I'm going to go to the authority. And who's the authority about how to live my life? The Word of God is the authority about how I should live. Everybody understand? And so we're going to talk about authority today. Because Taylor Swift isn't an authority in probably much of anything. 
God declares, I am the authority. I am all-encompassing. I am powerful. And if you're looking to find out how you should live, what I expect of you, maybe you should ask me. And so let's talk about it. More specifically, I want to talk about how Jesus shows the authority of God, demonstrated the authority of God, and lived out the authority of God out of John chapter 4. I'm going to be teaching today from verses 16 through 44. I'm not going to read all of them right now. I'm going to break them into pieces because I don't want you listening to me just read for 20 minutes because that's a lot of verses. But I am going to start with this. I'm going to start with a little bit of context. Verse 14 reads like this, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about Him spread through all the surrounding district. And He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by all. And He came to Nazareth, where He had been brought up. And as was His custom, He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And he took the, and stood up to read. And so what had happened? Let me tell you the context of what is happening here. Jesus has just entered into his earthly ministry. He was in the desert for 40 days. He was tempted. He came out on the good end of that like we expected he would. And then he immediately, according to this, returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout all the surrounding districts. He moves to his hometown. But he moves to his hometown for a purpose, to declare who he is. Number one, if you're taking notes, the point is the authority of God is seen in the sovereignty of Jesus. The authority of God is seen in the sovereignty of Jesus. I'm going to pick up where I left off. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who were oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and all of the eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Point number one, the authority of God is seen in the sovereignty of Jesus. Jesus here declares himself the authority of his, the sovereign authority that he carries. Jesus himself declares the sovereign authority that he carries. What did he just declare specifically? Let me explain to you what this text out of Isaiah, which he just quoted, says. He says, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me and sent me. Which means that I have been empowered to do the work of God as God. I told you I got one purpose today, and that's to build your faith so that you can understand that whatever God wants to do in your life, He's doing with your, in your life for His own glory. He was, he was anointed, which means He was sent here by God with the manifest presence of God. People get confused about spiritual words. Let me tell you, anointed literally just means the manifest presence of God. Where the anointing is, chains break. Where the anointing is, there's no sickness. Where the anointing is, there is no disease. Where the anointing is, there is freedom. 
from whatever it is you're dealing with. And so he's declaring that he is the authority, that he has been sent here by God the Father as the manifest presence of God, anointed to accomplish the work that God sent him to do. You should get excited about that if you're dealing with anything in your life because the manifest presence of God is in Jesus and Jesus has placed His Holy Spirit in you. Not only that, not is He only anointed and sent, but He's anointed and sent for a purpose. To preach and deliver the gospel effectively. Not just to their ears, but to their heart. Not only is He sent to preach and deliver but He is sent to extend grace in the deliverance of that gospel, which means that He has the right to forgive sin. He has the ability to forgive sin. The work that He will later accomplish, in fact, took on your sin so that you could be without sin, so that you could be in eternity with God. For His glory, not yours. And so He's been anointed. He's been given the ability to preach the gospel, to be the gospel, to extend grace, and then finally, the authority to open blind eyes to the truth. This isn't a passage about healing. This is a physical healing. This is a passage about spiritual healing. We are all in darkness until light reveals itself. He is the light that revealed himself, and now we who have accepted him walk in the light. And so this is an incredible verse declaring who he is. He is saying, literally, I am the manifest presence of God to deal with whatever problem you have for the glory of God. Only God has that authority, but He has that authority for one purpose, to glorify Himself. What's His purpose? Glorify Himself. Amen. I'm glad one person's listening. <laughs> having said this wasn't initially received with anger I want you to pay attention to that when Jesus earlier or later in John or Luke 5.21 and 20 let me read this to you seeing their faith he said friend your sins are forgiven you the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So they later got mad that he declared that he was there to forgive sin. Here he doesn't. Nobody gets mad about that. In fact, we, we read this. and This is immediately after he says, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. Nobody got mad at him the first time he declared who he was. You want to know why they got mad at him? They got mad at him because Jesus called them out. Nobody gets mad at the authority of God until the authority of God starts poking around in their business. Let me read this to you. Verse 23. No doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever you heard was done at Capernaum. Do here in your hometown as well. Now that doesn't sound like he's poking around in their business. That doesn't sound like he's putting them on blast as the young folks would say these days. 
But that's exactly what he's doing because this statement was common to the era to mean you're supposed to take care of your own house before you take care of the house of others. And so he starts paying, he starts calling them out. He says, listen, I'm God. I just told you who I am. And I, I know what's in your heart. And what's in your heart is that you think I should have dealt with you before I dealt with somebody else. That you're mad that I didn't come to you first. That, that, that there's somebody that God called me to heal or to spend time with before I healed or spent time with you. What's your problem? Because my authority isn't under your guidance. You don't lead me. This is Jesus. God leads me. I do only that which the Father commands me to do. And so he's putting them on blast. He's making them angry. Telling them, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. I know in your heart that you're speaking against me. But let me tell you, my authority will come and go as I please for it to come and go. It will do what I plan on it doing. God sent me to, for his greater purpose. And I will do that which God called me to do. This is what he's saying. I don't care that you're angry. It's not that he didn't care that they were angry, I guess. But they needed to understand that his authority is his to carry. The problem is they became familiar with his authority. Which is why he said a prophet has no, say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. You guys have heard me say this before. You need to pay attention to your authority and not get too familiar with it. You need to get not so familiar with the blessings God placed in your life. You need to not get so familiar with the health that God has placed in your life, the family that God has placed in your life, the church that God has placed in your life, the, the authorities, the physical authorities that God has placed in your life. Because when you get familiar with them, you become complacent. You guys have heard me say it a thousand times. Familiarity breeds complacency. Many of us wonder why we're not receiving what we should be receiving for God over what the Word of God tells us we could declare, what we could receive. But the main reason why we're not receiving may potentially be that we've gone too familiar with the things we've already received. A heart of thankfulness is essential to achieving anything in the kingdom of God. And so until I become thankful for what I have, why would God give me something I'm still hoping for? I will tell you, as is the case in this instance, not only does complacency breed familiarity, oftentimes complacency will destroy opportunity. Because he didn't do anything in his hometown. You know why? Because they were familiar. Because they didn't acknowledge the authority the way that they should have. This needs to be a church. This will be a church where we acknowledge the authority of God in all things. Many of my staff know and many of you know that I send out a copy of my sermon to my pastoral, pastoral staff and the worship leader and different folks. And I do that for two reasons. One, because I want them to kind of know where I'm coming from so that they can be in prayer about what God wants to do. But also, I tell them in that, or have told them very often, this is just the plan. If God changes the plan, He's the authority, let Him change the plan. Everybody understand? We can't become too familiar with the authority of God if we want God's authority to move in our life. I want blessings for you. I want restored restoration for you in whatever area that is. I want healing for you. But you know what? You recognize that when you recognize the authority and the holiness of God. 
the reason why we're in this series right now, so you could recognize who God is, so that you might ultimately recognize who you are. And God, as seen in the life of Jesus Christ, is authoritative. Amen? Not only is it authoritative, and not only did he, he state that his authority is sovereign, he went as far as to explain it. He says this in verse 25, But I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Verse 27, And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elijah the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And so he says, I'm sovereign. I'm going to do what I determined to do. And then he uses these two examples to prove that, prove that truth. There had been a famine in the land. And God didn't send Elijah to any of those people except for that widow. God didn't send anybody to heal Naaman's leprosy or didn't send, didn't send Elisha to heal anyone's leprosy except for Naaman's. When leprosy was a prevalent skin disorder disease then. Why? We should ask ourselves this question. Because God's authoritative. His authority does what it wants to do. And the only thing that we have to do is be obedient. We have to recognize that God comes and goes as he sees fit. We can't stop him. His spirit does the same. The Icelandic word for Holy Spirit, I love this, means wild goose. Which means that he comes to and fro however he sees fit. He can't be stopped and you can't, you can't manipulate him. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that God, Jesus, not only declares who he is as sovereign in his authority, but he explains who he is, sovereign in his authority. You know what the widow did? And you know what Naaman ultimately did? They submitted to the authority of God so that God might ultimately be glorified. If you're looking for that healing, if you're looking for that provision, if you're looking for whatever it is you're looking for from the hand of God, it comes when we recognize that God is sovereign in his authority and submit to that. And not become so familiar with it that we allow it to pass us by. I want us to be a people of victory. I want you to be a people of victory. I know that I know that there's people in this room that are dealing with all kinds of things, but God is bigger than your problem. And in his sovereignty, he loves us enough to want to take that problem from us. Not for us only, although it is for us, but so that he might be glorified. I believe the, one of the biggest reasons people <coughs> may not get a healing or may not get provision is because they have no plan to tell anybody about the provision they got. God, heal me. You get a healing and you don't tell nobody. God, bless my marriage. Your marriage gets blessed, you don't tell nobody. God, give me this job. You get the job, you don't tell nobody. 
You have to declare the goodness of who God is if you expect a God to do anything in your life because He does it primarily for His glory. Number two. The authority of God is recognizable in Jesus. Not only declared sovereign, but is recognizable in Jesus. Verses 31 through 34 says this. And he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were amazed at his teaching, for his message was with authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a spirit and an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Let us alone. What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. Isn't that awesome? That the demons in hell know who Jesus are. We walk around ignorant. And when I say awesome, I'm being sarcastic. It's sad that the demons in hell know who Jesus is and we walk around ignorant. That wasn't really the point I was trying to make, but it got on me. So let me read this verse again. Let us alone. What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Even men recognize the authority of Jesus. It says that they were amazed at his teaching in verse 32 as he sat down and was teaching them on the Sabbath in Capernaum. They were amazed at his teaching for his message was with authority. What's the difference between his message and the other messages that were happening in every other synagogue in Israel at that time? Authority. Let me tell you how it went down back in the, back in the synagogue back in the day and still actually does happen this way today. Sermons were done, or not really sermons. They'd go to the synagogue and they would sit in the round. When I was in Israel, it was very cool to actually see this um, in the, I think it was actually the Capernaum synagogue they dug up and they found the, the synagogue dug it up and in the middle of it is a stone and the stone is about, it's about this big, so it's about this high off the ground and they would put the scroll on it. And somebody would come up, a rabbi would come up and they would open it and they would read it and then they would roll it back up hand it over to the attendant the guy that was responsible for maintaining it make sure it didn't get messed up and then they would sit back down and then they would have a discussion about what they thought that meant you know what they had they had information not revelation you know the difference between authority in the word of god and no authority information has no authority revelation has authority and so when he says, when it says that he taught with authority and they recognize his teaching with authority, it means that he gave them revelation that they didn't have. He gave them insight that they didn't have. He showed them who he was when they didn't know who he was. He showed them the things that they didn't know because all they had at that time was man's wisdom and they didn't need man's wisdom. They needed God's wisdom. They needed to be moved by the Spirit of God. And so the authority of God demonstrates for us That God is powerful and authoritative and revelatory. Why do I tell you to read your Bible? Because the Spirit of God is living inside of you. I don't understand the nexus, Pastor Jim. If the Spirit of God is living inside of you and the Spirit of God is God, and Jesus is God, then you have Jesus living inside of you. And if Jesus can give them revelation, He can give you revelation. Why are you walking around ignorant to the Word? 
Why are you walking around ignorant to what God has for your life? Why are you walking around not knowing that God wants to heal you, that God wants to love you, that God wants to provide for you, that God wants to declare good things over your house? He wants His face to shine upon you according to the Word of God. Why don't we know these things? Because we don't recognize the Word, Jesus, as authoritative. We should recognize Jesus as authoritative because the Bible says that according to men, it was recognizable. But it wasn't just recognizable to men, praise God. It's recognizable to the enemy. He says in this text, and I'll read it again, Let us alone. What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? So some random dude's walking through the church while he's teaching. It doesn't even say in here, yeah, it doesn't even say in here, I want to make sure before I said something crazy, that Jesus called this dude out. It just said that the demon recognized the authority that Jesus held and got scared. Why doesn't that happen in today's church? Because we don't recognize the authority that God has. Because we don't recognize that there's power in the name of Jesus. If we carried the manifest presence, the anointing of God on us, I am certain that just the same as happened then would happen today. Somebody would walk into the church and say, Jesus, what is it you're trying to do with me? Are you trying to kill me? If He's recognizable to demons then, He's recognizable to demons now. And if you carry the Spirit of God in you, then the spirits other that aren't godly should say the same thing to you. You're like, whoa, 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 now you're talking crazy. No, I'm talking Scripture, which does from time to time sound a little crazy. But that's okay because it's true. And so he says that, he's rec- that the, the authority of Jesus is recognizable. The authority of Jesus is recognizable even to the enemy. So why did the enemy listen to Jesus? Because the authoritative Word of God, taught with authority and led by the Holy Spirit, is a natural affront to anyone or anything that stands opposed to it. Did you catch that equation? The authoritative Word of God, taught with authority, led by the Holy Spirit, is an affront to anything that stands opposed to it. Can I tell you though, let me, let me back this off the platform and put it in your lap. Not just the authoritative Word of God taught with authority by the Spirit of God, but the authority of God and the Word of God understood through the power of the Spirit of God should be an affront. It's not my responsibility to be an affront to the enemy. It's your responsibility to be an affront to the enemy. I want you to walk in victory. God wants you to walk in victory. God wants you to walk in success. All these things. I'm not teaching a prosperity gospel, man. What am I teaching? I'm teaching the gospel. I'm teaching the word of God. That, that you carry the authority of God. Jesus carries the authority according to Romans 28, 18. For all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And I give that authority to you. 
We have the authority. We're going to use that authority today. Jesus answered this demon as we would expect him to answer. With the full power and weight of his authority, of who he is. Number three, the authority of God is seen as powerful in Jesus. The authority of God is seen as powerful in Jesus. Verses 35 through 41 of the text reads like this. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. That's all he said. Notice what he, let me take a minute to explain what he didn't, what he didn't say. He didn't use some weird incantation. He didn't use a systematic prayer. He didn't talk out of tradition. He didn't do any of the things that we would expect in modern society for him to do. He just looked at the guy and in the full authority of who he is, used that authority and the power that he carries, and he just simply said, be quiet and come out of him. And you know what happened? The demon has thrown him down onto the midst of the people. He came out of him without doing him any harm. We carry that same authority today. I had a gentleman call me yesterday, asked me to come pray over his house. He said, I ain't been sleeping well. Can you come pray over my house? I said, I will. I said, but do you know that you as the authority in your own house, the priest of your own home, carries more authority over your home than I do? I'm the guy that teaches the word. But I don't carry any more authority in the name of Jesus than you do. It's not that I'm not honored and blessed to be able to pray for folks. I love doing it. But you carry the same authority that I carry in the name of Jesus. And it's powerful. Verse 36. And amazement came upon them all and they began talking with one another saying, What is this message? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And they reported about him was and the report about him was spreading into every locality in the surrounding area. The demon came out based on his authority. That's it. Hmm. I feel like I could stop right there. Why? Because the name of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, is greater than any other authority. Spiritual rank structure is set it doesn't deviate it's jesus above everything else ephesians 1 says and he put all things in subjection under his feet jesus's feet and gave him head over all things and then you know what jesus did for us jesus declared this same truth over us i just read it to you matthew 28 18 which is to say, I have all, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, and I give that authority to you. He gave us the authority that he carries. What, why, do I, why, do, why do we even care about this? We care about this because it's essential to walking in the victory that God has for us. It's essential in understanding that God loves us. That he has done everything necessary to provide healing for us he's done everything necessary to provide provision for us everything that you have a desire for and a need for according to the word of god all you have to do is ask in faith and you shall have it in the name of jesus now we talked last week that 
the desires of our heart should be aligned with his desires if we expect that truth to happen for us. But you know what? You know what I know is in the will of God? That his people not beg for bread. You know what I know is in the will of God? That they be healed by the stripes of Jesus. If these things are in the will of God, and according to 1 John, anything we ask according to the will of God, he hears us, and because he hears us, we have what we've asked for, then we should be able to ask for these things, expecting that he hears us and expecting to receive them. Amen? But not just in demon possession, but in all things. His authority is seen in all things. I'm going to continue to read here a little bit. Verse 38. It says, Then he got up and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering with a high fever, and they asked him to help her. And standing over her, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And, he immediate, and she immediately got up and waited on them. She was sick. Jesus came in with the authority that he carries, rebuked the sickness, she immediately got up and started serving. Well, that's a whole other sermon, isn't it? If you've been healed and you're not serving, let me ask you why. Because you don't understand one truth, that you were healed for the glory of God. Hmm. Verse 40, the healings continue. While the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick. Does it say some here? No. Now, Jesus didn't heal everybody. I just talked about that. He didn't heal. He healed Naaman. There were plenty of people with leprosy. But anybody that came to him and asked, he healed. While the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. In laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. Demons were coming out in many, shouting, You are the Son of God. But rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak because he knew they knew him to be the Christ. He wasn't ready for the world to know that yet. Then one day, Jesus left and went to a seclusion. Well, I'll get to that in just a moment. No matter what you're dealing with, the authority of Jesus is bigger than that thing. Sickness, disease, provision, finances, family. I don't know what you need from God. And it's not that I don't care. But I will tell you, whatever it is you need from God is smaller than the God you need it from. And through His authority and the authority that He's given you, He's given us, He intends for you to have it. If you can find a promise for it in the Word of God, what do you have to have? You have to have faith to believe that He will and a submission to His authority and a willingness to declare for the sake of His glory what He's done for you. Amen? But you can't just ask Him all, uh, it sounds silly, all willy-nilly. <laughs> you got to ask with intentionality. First John, let me see if I can find it here real quick. Not first John, James, I'm sorry. James 1, verse, I think it's 6. When I say I think it's 6, it's 6. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. 
For that man ought not to expect that he receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So you have to have faith. But a faith faith. Like a, like a single-minded faith. I'm coming up here, and this is what I expect to receive from God. Because this is the will of God. And Jesus carried the authority of God and told me that I could. And then gave that authority to me so that ultimately God might be glorified in what he wants to do in me. I love that. In the last verse it says, or the last couple of verses in this text, it says, When day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place, and the crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. Number four, the authority of God is purposeful in Jesus. He said, I was sent for this purpose. What purpose was he sent for? He was sent to declare the kingdom of God. It's interesting that his, he went around healing a bunch of folks. What does healing have to do with the kingdom of God? What does healing have to do with growing the kingdom of God? Healings, provision, are signs and wonders. Wonders make us go, oh, well, that was wonderful. And signs point us somewhere. So when people are healed, when provision is given, when marriages are restored, it causes people that don't belong to the kingdom of God to see a thing. Because signs and wonders are for the unbeliever, not the believer. We're blessed to receive them, but they're not for our sake because we get those things for the glory of God so we can declare Him. But they go, wow, I've known D.W. for 20 years. And he experienced his healing. And he told me that it was because of Jesus. I need to know more about this Jesus. And the kingdom of God grows. The greatest purpose that we can serve is to grow the kingdom of God through the glorification of God. Because of the authority that God has given us and has imparted to us for our healing and for signs and wonders.